Abram Smith, Bud Elliott, back again for another episode of the Nolcast. Great to be back. Uh, schedules weren't uh, conducive for a while there. Uh, I had a little bit of a nasty cold, which kept me away from the mic, and happy to be back uh, and do this again, Bud. So as always, but not think, the vid. I feel like we have vid. to clarify that, like, not had, had the vid in December. If I got the vid in January, that would have been really something else. But uh, no vid. Knock on wood there. Just a nasty upper respiratory infection, and I will stop uh, at any more details there. So we'll acknowledge the good people at Louisiana Hot Sauce, been with us since day one. Uh, always proud to brag on my use of hot sauce and Louisiana hot sauce in general, but we'll point out that 121, National Hot Sauce Day, bud. So uh, not that we ever need an excuse to... Uh, to brag on the good people out of New Iberia, but uh, have that in the back of your mind as we approach the back end of the week that uh, National Hot Sauce Day is soon coming. I, I enjoyed some uh, Louisiana hot sauce tonight, actually, on some oysters. Yeah, but had a but had a fantastic pre-pod meal. I was very jealous of stone crab oysters. Good for you, sir. I don't put it on the stone crab, though. I feel like I, that's, guys like, do you want to draw on butter? I'm like, no, I'm not a heathen. <laughs> No, no, sir. Uh, man, let's uh, let's jump into this. And we were going to do this the last time, but you weren't on the pod last time for obvious reasons. So now I feel like we need to actually start the pod out. I'm going to share a screen here, and we're going to go ahead and do this. Do you recall something you said? When do you think this was? Like a year ago? Maybe this is slightly almost uh, almost a, a year to the date. About 345 days ago, somewhere in that area. All right, let's uh, let's let's roll tape here. Bobby writes: Ingram enjoyed your recent back and forth on Twitter regarding Marvin Jones not being in the College Football Hall of, Hall of Fame recently. How is this possible? Is it tied to him only playing for three years and declaring as a junior? So, good question, Bobby. I will tell you that um, I made a call <laughs> to somebody that is uh, involved in this process last week. And um, I'll let you know how this conversation went. It was, I rang him. Uh, we talked to a second. I said, hey, let me talk to you about something. I just want to, uh, you know, I, I didn't want to call the guy and sit, come off as some crazy fan like, oh, how's this guy not in the hall of fame, blah, blah, blah. Uh, but I asked him, I said, you know, uh, I've been watching college football for uh, 30 years now. And the best player that I've ever seen is Marvin Jones. I'm curious as to, how he's not in the Hall of Fame or what is involved in that. And I said that, and honestly, bud, there was seven seconds of silence. <laughs> and the guy goes, shade tree, that Marvin Jones, he's not in the College Football Hall of Fame? I said, yeah, no, he's not. I expect Marvin Jones to be <clears throat> a nominee next year, if nothing else, and will probably uh, be put in the College Football Hall of Fame shortly thereafter. He, he ticks off every box that's necessary. Uh, there is no... Yeah, there's nothing out there that would prevent him from being in other than what I honestly think was an honest oversight. So hopefully in a year, we'll be able to uh, acknowledge Marvin Jones as a college football Hall of Famer, and maybe the Nolcast will have played some small role in that. Are you breaking some news here on the Nolcast? Like that, that sounds, Inger Smith is reporting. I, I like this, dude. This is, this is solid. Well done, buddy. That yeah, is, man. That is That's, awesome. That is awesome. Uh, it's really cool that that... Uh, Came to fruition, was able to contact a couple people tied to the Hall of Fame and the voting process. And, you know, Marvin Jones is in the College Football Hall of Fame because he's maybe the best linebacker to play college football in the last 40 years. Not sitting here telling you that he's in the Hall of Fame because of us. But if we played, uh, as I said a year ago, if we played some small role in that coming to fruition, then that's great. And uh, credit to Marvin. Great to see him finally get his, uh, his just due. I mean, you're, I know you're being modest, and I think he would have gotten in the Hall of Fame eventually, but I don't know if he would have gotten in the Hall of Fame this cycle had it not been for that phone call. You, you might have got the ball rolling. Uh, it helped. I mean, it, it definitely helped. Uh, I'll say that much. Yeah. 369 so. tackles. 110 tackles every season that he was in Tallahassee. 133 as a freshman, buck 25, including 13 for loss as a sophomore and 111 as a junior. Obviously, uh, or unsurprisingly here, Defensive Player of the Year for the country. In 1992, the Buckus Award for the top linebacker, Lombardi Award, which is the combined kind of front seven award there. The Jack Lambert Trophy 
for the touchdown club of Columbus. Do they still have the Jack Lambert trophy? I don't know. Maybe they do. I haven't heard about that uh, one in a while. Uh, did did so. it get canceled or did I just not hear about this yeah, one anymore? Good question. It's possible. It's been 30 years, you know, uh, not, not to besmirch Jack Lambert or I guess if he was really bad, then to besmirch him. Uh, unanimous All-American, fourth in a Heisman Trophy voting, the fifth or the highest finish for any Seminole defender ever. Uh, and you can pretty much read off the, the list of, of defensive players ever to finish uh, higher in the Heisman, right? Charles Woodson, who also played offense, and Dominican Sue, I think the one year, who obviously NFL Hall of Fame type guy there as well. I'm probably missing one more. But where did Hutchinson come in this year? Was he second was he, or third? I thought he was third, but I'm okay. not sure exactly. Um, Will Anderson, he's got a decent chance to do it next year, in my opinion. Uh, but yeah, we'll keep it. We'll keep this focused on Florida State and. Marvin Jones, my favorite Florida State player ever. Uh, great for him to get there, and uh, awesome, awesome to see him get his just due. So, yeah, absolutely, man. That is that is fantastic. All right, from one guy who had a great career to somebody who it's not even a null yet. We should probably address it because it's really the only thing happening in the portal over like the last week. But we do have more portal stuff to talk about. This is just kind of the hot uh, potential news of the night. Hasn't publicly committed yet. Um, a lot of guys kind of jumping the gun over the last week, it appears. Uh, you know, not really sure if a shoe was going to take him, but uh, I think some of his former Oregon teammates for sure were, were thinking that they would. And that's, uh, that's Trey Benson, a running back from Mississippi, signed with Oregon in the 20 class, I believe it was, and got hurt. You, you want to kind of give us the, the, the lowdown on this? Um, yeah, I mean, <laughs> the lowdown in 2021 is real quick. I can give that to you immediately. Uh, six carries for 22 yards. Ooh, which one was your favorite? Right. <laughs> exactly. Uh, maybe the one that he scored a touchdown on. Uh, I'm not sure. All right. Look, so in the process of trying to find the Marvin Jones Here clips that we just listened to, um, I inadvertently did almost a full review of all of our transfer portal shows last year, uh, because, you know, with the exception of the offense alignment at Notre Dame, I think they had done pretty much all their portal business. Um, we were probably a little bit more pessimistic on some of the portal takes than history showed. Um, at the same time, we said, hey, if all these guys come in and immediately contribute, then you probably have some development issues of your own domestic talent pool, right? Which I also think is very true. Having said that, bud, I am not going to sugarcoat this. Nothing against the kid. I am as pessimistic about this take if it comes to fruition as any since probably the Baylor defensive end of a couple of years ago. Uh, oh, I think it's Williams. Yeah, yeah. I, I I just question this for a litany of reasons. Uh, I I think that if you were going to take a running back, your ceiling should be much higher on what the end product could be. Uh, I don't know that you have to jump on this kid now. I think you could get him later. Uh, I think you could wait and find a more dynamic running back in the portal at a later point in time. I hope this kid who's 6'1", 215, comes in, proves me wrong, turns into a dynamic back. Uh, but this one's got me scratching my head. Should he actually join the roster? Yeah, I, I, I don't disagree with you at all. In, in trying to figure out what they like about him, right? There's, he does have some size, listed six foot two hundred five, listed six one two twenty two fifteen. He's a bigger back. Uh, he did have a good senior year of high school. You know, had had some big time runs. Uh, he is powerful in the open field. To me, he looks more of like a like a, a strider builder than somebody who has great like short area quickness and power. I'd be willing to be proven wrong if you can show me some other clips on that. Uh, there's a little bit of kind of the James Wilder thing going on here. And James Wilder actually was a better open field runner. We talked about this like a lot. Remember back in the day, like, give, give it to Wilder in short yard. It was like, eh, he's not bad at it, but he's not. Like, Devontae Freeman's a better short yardage back because he's quicker and he hits the hole faster. And whereas Wilder was more of like a built, you know, builder type guy, mm -hmm. um, building to that, to that top speed. He also looks bigger than everybody else. 
in his clips in high school. And like, oh, he's stiff arm that guy to the ground. But I mean, that guy looks like I'm, I'm stiff arming my kid. Now, that's probably too harsh a little bit. FSU did like this FSU staff did like him when they were at Memphis. To my knowledge, they didn't recruit him when they got to FSU, though, unless I'm mistaken about that. I don't think that they went after him. I don't recall that, at least. He ends up going out to Oregon. Oregon, who has Joe Moorhead. Joe Moorhead was the head coach at Mississippi State and got fired the same year Taggart got fired. So Moorhead would have been familiar with him, assuming that's one of the reasons why he stuck out there with Oregon, I would guess. And then there's the whole knee injury thing. He blew his ACL and has come back from that. But I mean, I haven't seen any updated clips of him. I assume the staff has. You got to hope that they have. Maybe of him in practice or him in some sort of private workout that would suggest that uh, he's back to anywhere what he was in high school, um, which was a high three-star recruit. He had six carries at Oregon. Now, you might say Oregon's kind of loaded. They recruited well, and they have, but they also lost their top back in C.J. Verdell. So it was basically die and then kind of an open field, and he only got six of those carries to, you know, like he was not their number two back once Verdell went down. Maybe this works out. Maybe it doesn't. Um, is that a room that you have to balance egos? Like, do you can you go out and get somebody who's a proven stud? Uh, probably not. Can you go out and get somebody who's more proven than this? I think so. Probably. So maybe they think there's some kind of upside here that this is... An, Anytime you use the portal, it's basically you're trying to hunt for undervalued assets, right? Okay, I think this guy can be better for us than he was for them, blah, blah, blah. That's basically what the portal is. It's kind of like in baseball, you're signing somebody you know, for cheap or you try to get somebody for cheap in the trade and you're like, hey, I like this guy. I like his spin rate. That club doesn't really emphasize that pitch that he throws well. So I'm going to go ahead and bring him over here to my team. And because his spin rates, this, I think he can throw a nasty slider and they're more of a, more of a sinker curveball team. So they're not utilizing that. Maybe, maybe we think with another gear, he can be really good, but I agree with you, man. This is a, like trust the coaches is a common refrain on message boards and Twitter and all that stuff. And trust is earned. And, Yes, Mike Norvell's overall track record with running backs is really good. And of all the guys come out with Memphis, they did take Corbin in the portal and he worked out better than I thought he was going to work out, you know, and very well may get drafted. Hell, I, I, you were right on that one. I, I was wrong. But also, they took a guy in DJ Williams last year who I don't think is going to be a hit. So, you don't really know. I don't know that you need to take him right now. I, th- I think it's probably prudent to see how the academics trend. I think Oregon's on the quarter system, right? So this is not without risk, man. I'm uh, I'm a little I- I'm I- I'm skeptical about this take if they yeah. do take him. It seems like we're more or less in agreement. We'll just have to see. I mean, I James Wilder Jr. comparisons pretty decent when you look stylistically, at not yeah. talent wise. No. I don't think not talent wise, but big physical seems to jump a lot in, in the, in the carrying process like Wilder yeah. used to. Um, but yeah, so, uh, if it comes to fruition, this one will have a pretty large question mark next to it. And hopefully the kid proves us wrong. So we'll see. You wanted to talk about some of the transfers that I touched on slightly in, in the last show, uh, because they, they had done a decent job with some transfers until I asked Yep. They have to continue to do a good job with transfers. I'm also, I have a little bit of a worry. I don't know if you want to get into this tonight or not, but when you miss like they just did in this 22 recruiting class, as bad as they did, and you have to go so portal heavy, you almost get sucked into a cycle of having to go crazy portal every year. Because if you don't, at some point, you're going to be very, very young. You know what I mean? You're almost going to have to like recommit to the youth movement. And it's pro- at some point, it's too late to do that. Does that make sense? No, I mean, to an extent you are, um, and maybe that's what they feel comfortable kind of where they are. I mean, I think it's a lot of different places we could take this conversation. Comfortable or not, that, that is where they are. That is where they I are. I mean, they better get comfortable um, with it or get winning. And had a little bit of success there. 
I think Florida State's NIL house is in decent order. Not great, but improving. Uh, improving. They've got some resources there. They need to figure out how to channel them and use them effectively as possible. Having said that, I still question Florida State's ability to sign super elite high school prospects. Um, and we'll see whether or not that's, uh, you know, that's a trend that comes to fruition or if you can kind of box clever, choose your battles, grab a kid or two. Um, I know there are some people out there who assume that NIL activity is involved in every portal. It's really not, y'all. I mean, it's really no. not. The much more the high that we can jump into wasn't NIL involved. To I know you mentioned this um, on your listener question show a week ago or so. Uh, I had the same information that that wasn't in play at all. Um, very, very rare. So, <clears throat> um, for a top kid, you mean to not, yes, for exactly. A, yeah. Um, I don't think Benson is getting a whole lot of NIL. If he I don't is, think we, so. we, need to, we need to redo the discussion <laughs> about channeling the resources. <laughs> Um, so I think that they have found a place where they can be, you know, feel like they can have success, but at the same time, they have locked themselves into a little bit of a, of a cycle here. So we can acknowledge that it's not us bashing the staff. It's just the reality of the situation. So they're going to have to have continued success in the portal. Uh, some of that success is the verse get, look, you beat a lot of programs. Congratulations to this staff. That's a big get. Uh, I think you'll have them for two years. You can develop that kid. I don't expect him to be number 11 next year. In my opinion, you're setting yourself up for disappointment if you do. Uh, but that's a that's a really nice piece. Credit to the staff for getting him. Uh, positive chatter on the wide receiver uh, right out of West Virginia. I think that's a good pickup. Um, I had heard very similar chatter to what you mentioned a week ago or so, that if the kid out of Illinois can get quarterback out of his mind, I think the guy that I talked to said he could be a second or first round pick. Legitimately. Thought he could be a... Uh, uh, you know, first day or, or middle of the second round pick as his ultimate upside if he gets there. We're obviously not predicting that for a kid who I think had six receptions last year. So they've done some really nice stuff. Um, at the same time, I think we have to acknowledge that they're going to have to continue to do some really nice stuff in the portal because of uh, the numbers and, and how these uh, past two classes have played out. I agree with you. And I think for the most part, these guys are more useful pieces, useful contributors than they are difference makers. And, and that's really where you'll see the, the misses of 2022 uh, come to fruition if, you, if these guys don't end up being you know, NFL types. Because certainly some of those guys you missed on in 22 probably will be. That's just kind of how the law of averages works with those highly rated high school recruits. Um, for the most part, other than quarterback, Staffs don't let a lot of guys hit the portal and then go to the draft who are not quarterbacks. They seem to do a pretty good job figuring out height, height weight, speed positions, starting the right guys there. Uh, quarterback, for whatever reason, is a difficult position to evaluate. It's much more decision-making based than it is just physical tools. And coaches do get that wrong quite often, actually. And for that reason, you see a decent number of drafted quarterbacks who were transfers. Data is still very early on this, obviously, with the new portal era where everybody's eligible immediately. I think we're going to see probably a, an uptick, certainly in, in the aggregate, but also maybe in the percentage uh, of draftees who are transfers relative to the total number of transfers. Obviously, there's so many more transfers you're going to see a, you know, on a non-percentage basis, you're going to see a huge uptick, but that's not really indicative of a trend other than the, than the trend of just more guys hitting the portal. I agree with you on verse. I don't think he's going to be Jermaine Johnson, but like, I think he's pretty well put together. Can he be four? Can he give you what Keir Thomas gave you? Would you take that? Certainly. Yeah. 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 Okay. I think so too. You're just going to have to be better in the back end this year. You'll probably have to play some more three down front type stuff. Use Briggs on the edge a little bit more and, uh, and probably be a little bit heavier blitz team, which you kept Adam Fuller around. That was your decision, obviously. But he does like the blitz a whole lot from his days at Memphis and his days at Marshall. This is probably a time where you're going to see that quite a bit because I don't think you have that pass rusher, even with verse, that you had in Johnson. 
But I think Verse can be a very valuable defender against the run and also give you a pass rush, just not quite what Johnson gave you, if, if you know what I'm saying. And then you should still be a very good defense against the run this year, I would say. Uh, blitzing a little bit more, hopefully your back end continues to uh, to mature and develop and play with confidence in that scheme. So that would be my my thought there. Um, you mentioned the right feedback. I'm getting the same thing, man. Just other staffs are, are impressed by by right. Um, I actually talked to a guy in SEC school the other day who just got hired over there, and he's like, "Yeah, I really like this kid named Wright." And I was like, "Well, FSU just got." Him. And you're like, he's like, "Really?" I said, "Yeah." He's like, "That's a good get. That's that's a really good get for them." So, anyway, uh, probably on him to pay more attention. <laughs> He was in a portal, but the guy was in the middle of moving uh, his family. So um, I don't know if his new school was going to take the kid anyway. But let me ask you this. Hearing a lot of good feedback on right, hearing a lot of good feedback on span. Do you think these coaches, if they knew they were getting right in span, do you think they would have taken Pittman and Wilson? Wilson. And this is not a criticism, by the way. Yeah. Like, I understand why they did it. I'm just asking you, do you think that like if those two came first, do you think you actually give scholarships to Pittman and Wilson? Wilson, probably slash maybe Pittman. Wow. I don't think as a, so. As like a tight end thing? I don't think so. A, a different style body. Uh, it's something that you don't have on your roster. He would be more likely than Pittman. Pittman, I think you take right and you don't return Pittman's call, to be honest with you, if it if it plays out differently. Uh, right gives you, I uh, realize Wright's success has been more in the kickoff, but Wright gives you... It's very similar to what Pittman does in the return game. Um, I yeah, I, I think if the sequence of events are reversed, that you probably pass on Pittman and you give uh, Wilson a little bit more of a harder evaluation. Maybe that means you take him. Maybe it doesn't. Pittman probably not. I think I agree with you, man. I, to me, like if I had to rank him, it's I, I think it's right. Probably span. And then maybe a decent drop off. Now I could be wrong. Maybe Pittman, hopefully Pittman proves us wrong, and, and is you know a real good contributor on this team, and um, is your primary turner and, and kills it. But the feedback I got was m- much more like, "Hey, right is the prize there, mm-hmm. and Span is kind of the upside chip." Who else we need to talk about here? Oh, they got. Uh, um, we should talk Fabian Lovett in a second. I would say first, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty excited about. Another question I'll ask you. So they take the DB from Louisville. Do you think that is... Uh, and also, they had some interesting number changes, by the way, to guys in that defensive back room. So number changes that, like, I was a 20-year-old kid, I don't think are pretty cool, you know? <laughs> Do you think any of that is sort of trying to crowd that room and get some of these guys to, who, who like the Tallahassee lifestyle to hit the portal? Uh, I don't think that's a coincidence. Yeah, I do. I, I think there's work to be done in the DB room and... I think three or four. Um, Possibly the wide receiver room still as well. Uh, So, yeah, I I think that that was, uh, you know, very few things happen by accident. And I I don't think that was one of them. Little uh, social media uh, tantrums being thrown there after that, uh, after some of that stuff. But in in the positive news for guys returning to the team that they actually want to come back, Fabian Lovett, man, coming back again. Uh, I wonder if maybe we'll see some NIL deals announced there. Certainly possible. Uh, a real uh, a real important piece for this defense. A disruptive player, especially when healthy earlier in the year. You know, gutted through it d- down the stretch. That's a really big piece for you. Because he also w- was actually a pretty decent pass rusher from that interior spot. Nice piece. Good locker room presence. Uh, this is one of the, your better portal gets of the Mike Norvell era. And... Uh, NIL can be used as a tool for retention is a tweet that we've put out there and we will probably reference that tweet in the, in the future uh, as well. So you got the kid from Lee County to come back uh, in Robinson, you get this guy, this is a massive piece team him with, uh, with Cooper and uh, you really are decent up front. Now I'm scared as hell what happens in a year into the future, but we'll enjoy what yeah. we have now and worry about that then. Um, but I think we've hit our negativity limit for tonight. I think we've hit it. Mark that down for later, (laughs) but yeah. But, uh, you get, love it. You get them in. I love it. Uh, pardon the pun. 
And uh, you can, you've got some real nice pieces to play with on the defense side of the ball next year. And he is, uh, you know, foremost among them. Doesn't it feel like Lovett had more than five, five tackles for loss this year? Uh, I mean, there are games in which Lovett felt like he approached not five, but three. I mean, I, that, that was a, a very surprising number. Absolutely. Oh, well, here, here's one that I actually found, a, a number that, that paints him in a, in a more favorable light. Uh, he had 15 first pressures created, which means he was the first mm-hmm. person to actually create pressure on the QB. Uh, that ranks third on the team behind, well, you guessed it, Jermaine Johnson and Keir Thomas uh, with 42 and 35 apiece. So, but still, 15 from an interior position is uh, is pretty good. And Cooper had nine. Malcolm Ray actually had eight. Briggs seven. Briggs obviously, didn't, you know, had some issues uh, staying healthy, unfortunately. And McClendon had ten. So Briggs and McClendon will be certainly counted on a lot more this year to step up and uh, be be more of those pass rush contributors, most likely. Especially to kick Briggs a little more outside, I think. Yeah. Yep. Um, what else do we need to talk about? We have uh, where else do you go in the portal? Do you try to get a QB? I, I do think they'll get a quarterback. Uh, I think if you can get, I mean, at this point, I would be exceptionally selective. Let let some of these positive things that we've talked about, you know, be the foundation of which you build your portal class around. And if you can go get a great linebacker, that'd be fantastic. If you could get a I mean, I, you still have to get an offensive tackle out of the portal at some point. This is what, as I mentioned when I was going through the uh, last year's shows, trying to find the Marvin Jones clip, which, by the way, was published on one nineteen, so almost a year ago to the date, if you want to go back and look for it. We were talking about the need for a tackle then, and you never were able to get one, and you've, you've got to be able to go out, in my opinion, and grab a tackle to really cement the offensive line, and that's you know job number one here. But yeah, quarterback, tackle, if you can get a great linebacker, fantastic. Um, if you can get a, if you can get a great anything, uh, I mean, I would grab it at this point. Yeah. Um, but like a difference you know, we'll maker on defense. Yeah. Know? I think I agree with you there. Um, at this point, and by at this point, I don't, I don't mean like as of this week. I just mean given what we've seen hit the portal. Typically, is FSU going to be able to find a starting caliber tackle? If Bless Harris, the guy they already signed, is is not that. And does it even matter? I mean, clearly you would prefer to find a starting caliber tackle. But I also think there is value in what they've already done in that now if you have to play, like let's say Bless Harris is your is your number one backup tackle option, which is possible. He could also start. We, we don't know. But hypothetically, let's say he's your best backup tackle option. That is already a significant upgrade in terms of value over replacement player when your replacement players before were named Brady Scott or uh, Ghost or, uh, gosh, who else? I'm trying to think of who else he played last year. Brady Scott, obviously. Um, that That's a pretty big deal. Now, I think your backup center is Maurice Smith. Hopefully this year, he can play about 100 snaps, focus for the most part on lifting and gaining weight, and trying to get healthy. And then maybe you have him as a valuable one-year starter in two years. Who's a little undersized, but not grossly undersized, still has some quickness to him, blah, blah, blah. Or maybe he's a valuable swing guy. Every staff in America would like to have a somewhat playable backup veteran center. Like that's, it's like having a good backup catcher, right? Um, So I think, the whole thing is I would go out and try to take another tackle if I could, a tackle body uh, who can be a backup for you and maybe somebody who is is two years away. Maybe somebody with the eye on 23. Like, what happens if, if like, like, do we really think Willis is on track to be a, an impact guy at 23 or is he more of a 24 type kid? I mean, it's a lottery ticket you took. I think it's a good take to take it. Even doesn't work out. Like, it's worth the shot on that body type given where you were when they took Willis in that 2021 class, I think it was. Yeah, he, he was in the COVID class, right? Yeah. Uh, so then you took the project out of uh, uh, Derek Gibson's high school down there in Miami the year before. Oh, I'm blanking on the name. Big frame NFL looking kid that you knew you were going to have to develop many years. 
Williams? Oh, uh, is he still on the roster? Lincoln on this kid's. Yeah, yeah. So they 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 took Willis, and then this la- the, the the class they just signed six weeks ago. They signed uh, uh, Richardson. This was like two years ago. Bad podcasting here, as I can't remember the kid's name on the roster, but yeah, this is good podcasting. This is great podcast. Anyway, what I'm saying is like if you can't get a starter, maybe you get somebody who wants to come back closer to home who could give you a hundred or two hundred snaps and not kill you, but then maybe be a starter for you in, in 23 at a tackle spot. Somebody who needs some refinement and a little bit of time in the weight room, that that type of thing. That's not that crazy of a thought. I mean, you have the scholarships you missed on signing day at a number of spots. You can as long as you get some certain guys off your roster. Probably three DBs, one or two receivers, maybe another lineman. You know, some guys who are just not going to work out here. As long as you get those guys off, you have the scholarships to play with. So, it's not the craziest thing in the world to take another offensive lineman who is not just a, a grad transfer, you know, senior type. Lloyd Willis was the kid. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah, for. Willis. Yeah. So, like, you know, we we thought Willis was probably a a 23 impact guy. What if he's more of a 24 impact guy or a 24 player? Or, or, I, uh, or a I, got, I got Rod Orr and Willis oh, Rod confused Orr, right. in my mind. Rod Orr was the COVID kid. Willis was the year prior to COVID, if I recall. So what, ha- what happens if Rod Orr is more of a like contributor, not starter, by 23? This is what I'm saying. Like It doesn't hurt you to take a more, another veteran-type offensive lineman that way you're not you're trying to break the cycle of having to play your offensive linemen too early in their careers, given that you're not really recruiting the dudes that go to I shouldn't say not recruiting. You're not really signing the dudes that go to like a Bama or a Georgia who are already look like NFL players as 20 year olds. So the guys you're signing right now, where you are in your program life cycle, are more of those sort of need to develop them um, a couple years in the weight room, a storms type thing. That, that type of deal. Uh, so I, I'm not against taking another offensive lineman in the portal. Also, I think another coverage linebacker makes some sense, man. I mean, you have, like, you have Deloach. Who else on this linebacker core are you confident can run? Uh, I mean, Gaynor's a great piece, but you, you, you have to find him and his strengths in such an interesting manner that it's kind of hard to figure out exactly where you can use him. I mean, he's a great athlete, but great um, selectively as far as what he's asked and and how you can use him. Uh, Kind of falls off pretty quickly after those two. I mean, I guess, uh, I I guess Shane Brown is somebody who they listed safety, but, you know, could eventually bulk into a linebacker. My guess is that's probably, if that happens, it's more of like a 23 size thing than, than than a 2022 size thing. Um, yeah, I, they've done a nice job, I think, at improving most of the spots with the portal. They have. Do they have the, like the great upside with some of these guys? I don't know. I'm questioning that some. There's a reason that these dudes just signed with a team that's had four straight losing seasons. Typically, dudes who are absolute like stud upside don't do that. But then again, they got Jermaine Johnson last year. On the other hand, if you knew how good Jermaine Johnson was, you don't. You don't probably don't get him. You know what I mean? He would have gone to like Ohio State or something like that. Uh, hell, I'm not really convinced that George knew how good he was. Because if they did, I think they would have probably started whoever Nolan Smith. Yeah. I mean, De- or, decent little player in his own right. Who yeah, exactly. Jordan today. So, yeah. And I know they had, they had, they had Adam, Adam Anderson on the, on the other side, and he was playing extremely well for them before the whole, uh, you know, rape allegations. Yeah. So, you know, like they couldn't really anticipate. That, obviously. Yeah, overall, I, I think fairly pleased with what they've done in the portal. I would say, like, if they could do it over, I agree with you, they would probably look to do receiver differently, but they don't have the, the benefit of, of hindsight with that. The receiver is, and they felt like they had to go get whatever bodies they could go get. And at the time, that meant taking Pittman and Wilson, you know? I think they're probably more patient if they got right and span first, but they threw four bodies to this. If you get 80 catches out of this receiver, out of these four receivers combined, you're pretty happy, right? Pretty happy. Last time we had the number at 55. That was before the addition of Wright. I said that I thought you could get there. That was 
pretty optimistic uh, from my point of view uh, in retrospect. I, I think 80 with the addition of Wright is a good number. Uh, I expect you to hit it. I mean, I, I think Wright's going to be a focal point as to what you're doing next year on offense and look forward to see how you incorporate him into the mix. So uh, a little bit of sweet, a little bit of sour as far as what's going on in the portal and some of the longer term ramifications. Uh, one thing that we've never been sour about is our partnership with uh, Chad and Shannon and the great people, the legendary team who uh, you've used twice. Our listeners have used so many times that uh, we honestly have like made good friends with the people at Custom Inc. at this point because we've had to order so many shirts. Uh, we have our own aside rep, so credit to you all for that. Got some more shirts on the way for our female uh, listeners, and we'll be back into the process of sending those T-shirts out here shortly. Uh, but man, did we complete the order on that? I, I saw we had like three emails that said like complete the order. Yeah, this well, is deal. They sent us the wrong shirts one time, so I, I, I we, which also facilitated us getting our own rep. Oddly enough, nice. so uh, yeah, we we had to make sure that we got this one right. And uh, short shirts are on their way as of tomorrow, I believe. Beautiful. Uh, look, when you call eight four four FSU loan, it's great customer service. It's awesome rates. It's knowledge of the market. Know when to pounce on that home loan, and in this in this housing market, like you got to be able to move fast. And with Shannon and Chad, you can move fast. Eight four four FSU loan. Be part of the legendary team, like so many Noel Cast listeners have. We really appreciate them for doing so. We appreciate the legendary team for their continued support of the Noel Cast. And with that, let's go ahead and go to. Uh, so they they have these new positions open, and I'm hearing some different things on this. I'm hearing that the search for the GM is it's not going great. I don't think they got their top choice there, their top choice is, and we'll see who they end up getting. Maybe they'll have to go NFL at this point with, uh, what do they call it, Black Monday, I believe, when, when all the NFL coaches get fired. But I'm, I'm not hearing great things about that, and it gives me a little pause because we're, we're, we're past convention now, and you thought maybe something would have got done at convention, but uh, pretty clearly, it did not to this point. Otherwise, I don't think you'd have waited, you know, a week to announce it. But I did hear they actually had some pretty impressive folks looking in to apply for the uh, the scouting position. So, I guess this is tonight's theme: a little sweet, a little sour. But I'm I'm not gonna lie, man. I'm a little bit concerned about the some of the lack of interest that they've had in that GM position. Um mainly because I heard that they were offering a pretty competitive number for that. And if it's not the money, what could it be? Yeah. Um, heard similar as far as the financials. Heard that Florida State's uh, taking care of some of its existing you know, support staff pretty aggressively uh, from a financial s- support and, and raise standpoint. Um, yeah, so... Why may they, Why is it that they may not be able to grab some of their initial candidates? Maybe the initial or the most obvious is that, you know, from the outside, as you pointed out in the listener question, uh, Epi, that you did about five, six days ago. Yeah, you've got a coach that won three games two years ago, five games this year. Job security is certainly a question. I mean, that is uh, that's something that anybody's going to look at. Uh you know, could there be some concerns with the people that they'd be working with? Uh, you know, there people have different kind of reputations professionally as far as uh, maybe you want to bring in your own guys. Yeah, and, and exactly. And if I you just gave that. large raises to some of these people, then you're not going to be bringing in your own guys. You're going to be working with the people that are here. Um, and if you I don't like th- those people or if you don't like their reputation, then yep. yeah. I think it's a positive overall sign that they're moving to this and they're adding another pretty significant piece in a GM. Uh, but yeah, it hadn't been a, you know, seamless opening, seamless filling uh, by any means so far from what we understand. And uh, at this point, I would expect them to probably be fairly patient with it and, you know, try to get somebody as it comes along. Yeah. I mean, that's, I haven't heard any, any new names on that. N- none that I believe at least uh, we, we had a couple folks in the questions ask us, you think Todd Graham? Can Let's get that hope job? not, man. Let's hope no, not. No, no. You Let's think hope we've, Mike Norvell is you think we've done a negative. Todd Graham. Yeah. 
You think we've Holy been negative cow. in the past? I uh, if that happens, I'm out. I would, you know, anybody want to buy the Nolcast? Uh, but yeah, no, uh, that would be a that would be a toughie, tough day for all of us here. So, um, we'll just now look, look. I will say, as much as I, I think Todd Graham would be a terrible influence on the program and should not be hired in any way, right? If you wanted to do like the the laptop consultant thing that we know other programs have done when coaches get fired for, you know, whatever, using school phones to call up hookers or, or whatever you want to, like there are smart coaches out there schematically who for whatever reason have way too much PR stink on them to get hired. But I don't think there's any problem if you, if you pay somebody to be like a, a laptop-based offsite consultant. I mean, as long as they're not like officially associated with the program, you know, that, that, that type of thing, whatever. And I'm sure that's tough for Norvell because it's it's his mentor. And I'm not I'm not even saying he's trying to hire him. So I don't I don't really don't think he is. I'm just addressing some of the questions we got from the Patreon listenership. Um, but that would be a terrible terrible decision. Like totally tone deaf, not smart at all. Like go go see what happened in Hawaii. They literally had to call a state senate hearing to figure out why the program was in such a disaster under Todd Graham's leadership. And Todd Graham's own son hit the transfer portal before he resigned, which, you know. Um, but yeah, that would, uh, yeah, uh, rant over. I, I, don't, I don't think that needs to happen. Uh, interesting comments out of the ACC commissioner involving the um, want to go to an expanded format. Hard to look at this and see this as anything other than perhaps the ACC trying to exert some leverage with its TV contract and have a certain network reevaluate where they are and maybe not have them be, you know, collectively lapped by the rest of the college football world two to three times over. Uh, yeah, it's what you got to do. I mean, I know... It's not as though the people in Clemson and even Coral Gables haven't been concerned about the TV contract previously. Uh, I can just tell you, I'm talking to some friends of mine at Georgia Tech, the collective concern in the conference is at about 11 when it comes to this TV deal. And if there's anything that can be done, the commissioner has to use whatever tools are in the bag. And this may be about the only thing that they can immediately try to play. So uh, that's... I mean, I don't, that's all this is, in my opinion. Uh, not a totally whole lot agree. more. Did you read the ESPN article today about how the, how we got to where we are with the playoff? I, I didn't see that, no. Hilarious. Hilarious that, that, they, <laughs> that they would publish this thing. And not, and, and, and like, they just, they took Jim Phillips' comments at his word. He's like, oh, we're really concerned about player safety and these players not want to play another game. Uh, not, they don't want to play a 16th game. Mm-hmm. No mention at all of the TV contract or how, like, this is a pretty obvious leverage ploy by, you know, the ACC yeah. to either get some, either a new TV contract or to have multiple different uh, entities bid on the on the playoff, which could get you some more revenue. The bottom line here is that they don't need a small adjustment to their deal. They need a their teams start playing better, and b for this thing to not run through twenty thirty six, which I believe is when it runs through. Right, so. They realize long term they're totally screwed if this thing doesn't get changed. So they're not willing to make small incremental changes and give up their bit of leverage that they have. And I think it's also very helpful that the Big Ten and Pac-12 have new leadership. Because I think if they had their old leadership, they might have just drowned out the ACC. But you kind of have these other guys still figuring out what their own conference members want. Like the Big Ten is apparently all on this yes automatic bid kick, which I don't know. I'm not really sure why. It's very hard for me to think the Big Ten champ would ever be left out, but I think it, maybe it's the Big Ten's way of thinking they can get more than one team more consistently if they do have an upset in that Big Ten title game. So maybe you get like a nine and three Wisconsin automatically in, and plus Ohio State at large or, or whatever. Um, maybe it's a way for them to keep. Uh, keep more interest in their Big Ten title game, I guess, if they if they have automatic bids there. Uh, I don't know. Oh, my gosh. Kyler Murray just threw a ridiculously bad pick six out of his own, and that's 21 nothing past the sticks in that NFC uh, wildcard game. Uh, but 
there's some weird stuff going on here that it's just everybody's posturing and then they all kind of have their own different agendas. Like the Pac-12 with George Klykoff, their their new commissioner, he's been in, in TV and entertainment for a long time. And he showed up and said, it's kind of ridiculous that we only have one entity having the rights to something that's this big. Like the NFL, and I mentioned the NFL playoffs are on TV here in the hotel behind me. They would never sell their entire playoff package just to CBS or Fox or NBC or ESPN, which is ABC. They're going to make all of them pay a premium just to have a piece of it. That's the better plan, obviously. And the leagues that don't have the huge deals with ESPN, like <clears throat> obviously the Big Ten, the ACC does have a deal with ESPN, but they're not like it's not a huge deal. So I can kind of lump them in here. The Big 12, the Pac 12, uh, those leagues definitely don't want ESPN to be the sole TV provider, in my opinion. Uh, that's how I read this for a new playoff. So what they're saying is, yes, it will be a kick in the pants for a little bit for ESPN's new TV contract with the SEC to kick in next year. And they're going to be getting, what, $40 million per school or whatever it is, I think, uh, or 30 I think it's 40 Yeah, I think it's closer uh, to 40 So, yes, there will be a, a more, even more difficult short-term struggle coming up with those schools making that kind of money compared to what you make until 2026. However, caving right now for a short gain probably kneecaps you potentially to an insurmountable level in the long term. So you need to maximize your leverage with this little little chip of leverage that you have right now. Also known as the John Swafford method of operating with the ACC, if you're... Yeah. Absurd. Anyway, uh, John Swafford, what a guy. Glad we've named so many things after him in the conference. That's great. Um, Ice Cream Social was always pretty, pretty baller, though. Ice Cream Social was baller. Absolutely. Um, okay. Uh, so we've talked about that. We'll get into uh, the junior day that Florida State just recently hosted and some of the prospects uh, tied to that. Uh, before we do, we will thank our great friends at Congruity. Congruity is experiencing your business optimized. Uh, just had somebody reach out to me today, in fact. Uh, about getting in contact with Matt Lewis and his team. Matt can be reached at 844-247-4100. Or as this person did, you can reach out to me directly, whether it be Twitter or our uh, nolcast at gmail.com. Uh, <clears throat> Congruity is a fantastic tool for you, whether it's HR solutions, payroll, or any of the things that can help you save time, save money, and reduce risk to your business. CongruityHR.com is the website, as I said previously. Knowles at congruityhr.com is the email if you wish, wish to reach out that way. But a big thanks to the people at Congruity for supporting the Knollcast. Dude, no doubt about it. Let's go ahead and go to the junior day stuff on the weekend. A lot of people do not want to talk high school recruiting a full year out from traditional signing day 2023. Let's go ahead and talk about just a couple important names here. The positions we feel like they're going to need to hit on pretty hard this year in the portal, or excuse me, well, anyway, they do the portal pretty heavily now anyway, but at the high school level, let's pretend that they're focused on high school still and they're not in win-now mode because of their portal stuff that they have to do. Uh, so let's go ahead and give people four names here, I would say. Uh, number one is Chris Parson. Chris Parson is your quarterback commit out of Tennessee, and I can tell you for a fact, the staff is very high on Chris Parson. Uh, he is a toolsy guy. He's a little bit raw, but he does have some nice upside. I don't know that he's going to come in and start immediately in 2023 type dude, but he is a guy who the staff feels like can be a vocal recruiter for you on the trail, uh, can really help you out in that way, can if they develop them right, if they take the time with them, can be a real impact player for you at this level and potentially a difference maker for you down the line. So he's still committed, uh, working on that relationship, obviously, with Alex Atkins and Tony Tokars, who are going to be leading the charge there on that side of things. Obviously, Mike Norvell involved as well as an offensive head coach. But another good sign, you got him back down. 
definitely somebody that a recruit seemed to be taking note of. And that's a positive sign, right? And I'm not going to blow smoke and be like, hey, this guy's on the verge of five-star status and you're going to get a bunch of five stars to notice you and stuff. No, that's not going to happen, right? You have four straight losing seasons and probably not going to light the world on fire this year on, you know, on, on the field. So it's hard to sell hype and you have to start selling results or I guess relationships, but mostly results and some proof of concept. We'll see how well they're able to show that this year with Jordan Travis, maybe get him throwing the ball a little bit more. That should help you on the recruiting side of things. Next kid I want to talk about is kid up your way, Adam Hopkins. Yeah, somewhat up my way. He's a Thomas County Central prospect, so a South Georgia kid, if I recall correctly. Who's the um, last TCC kid, not Tallahassee Community College, but Thomas County Central kid that FSU signed? Is it the Jimbo kids? It may I think be. It might, it might be Jabral Smiley and, uh, and uh, the, Amp, uh, uh, Amp yeah, McLeod. And Amp, oh, God, I love both of those kids. Great that, <laughs> great that we were able to reference him. Oh, man. Jabral Smiley looked like he was 45 <laughs> years old. Like we, we should have him. He probably looks... Well, he may still look like 45, but like, like he may just be one of those guys who looks 45 from yeah, uh, age 18 to 58. Uh, exactly. Yeah. Uh, DeBrow. I did find a Smiley on Twitter here. I'm doing a quick search. Two DeBrow Smiley's, both are like gr- gray photos, you know, mm-hmm. on, uh, on Twitter. Zero followers and zero following. He joined May of 17. And this one is in Mississippi, following 19, two followers. Who are the two followers? Looking to see if there's any FSU guys on there. Uh, no, this one's following like Weird Al Yankovic, Time Magazine, <laughs> and Lenny Kravitz. Okay, probably not, I, I would guess. <laughs> that would be great, too, though. Uh, that would be great. Yeah. So, no, Thomas County Central is one of the premier programs in Georgia. Uh, you know, love that. Love that you can go down there and, uh, you know, what, 35 minutes from campus. I mean, a place that Florida State should have some type of presence, certainly. More recently, been a been a pathway to Georgia and even Clemson, uh, some of the better talent out of that high school. But uh, that would be a that would be a great get. And uh, what, about six foot one or so? Impressive wide receiver. Uh, yeah. We'll have to see I, how much traction Florida State gets with him. I've actually seen this kid a couple times in person, which is interesting because, you know, last year when the, the camps were just starting to open up, you know, post-COVID, his his trainer uh, for seven on team, Harrison, pointed him out to me. He's like, hey, this kid's a real dude. And at this point, I talked to Harrison throughout the day. And he's like, hey, this guy's a real dude. And this guy's a real dude. And I was like, how many dudes do you have? Because some of these trainers tell me everybody's a dude. But uh, he was actually right. He, he, he really does have some nice two-way ability. I think he could actually play corner or receiver for FSU. Light on his feet, pretty good change of direction. I don't know what he ran, but it, like he's not slow. I don't know if he's a track guy or not. Uh, but the, the thing I remember is sort of the the change of direction that that, that we had on him. Um, I don't know if he's actually six one, but like he's not one of these five nine type dudes. You know, he's I, in my head. I'm thinking more like five eleven six rather than six one, but it's certainly possible. Uh, he got a pretty nice rating out of us at 24-7 sports. Uh, in, in the early top 100, of course, I mean, guys, again, it's it's very early in this kind of stuff. But early on, I can tell you, I believe he's a guy uh, who, if he wanted to commit, I think should be a take and uh, is somebody who I think has the athleticism to play early for FSU, but also the athleticism to play on a team that, like, like a good FSU team. Very encouraging that we were able to get him down again on a visit. Technically, by the way, it wasn't junior day. I, I stated that it was just sort of like juniors come to campus. But they yeah. got a lot of the top ones they wanted to come, which is encouraging. Uh, next kid that I wanted to talk about, again, I just want to give you – or sorry, go ahead. I was just trying to remember the Gabriel Harris kid is what, uh, class of 23 as well, uh, which yes. would be his teammate. So maybe get a little bit of traction. There's a there's a famous clip that and I'm blanking on who the Alabama defensive lineman was, but it was uh it was like the captains of the Thomas County and Thomas County Central. This is like late '80s. Uh, the captain is Sean Jones, the quarterback at uh, Georgia Tech when they won their national championship. I think this Alabama defensive lineman that was a first round pick and big player for their '92 national championship team and Charlie Ward. So just to give you an idea, 
Thomas County has been playing pretty significant ball for quite a while and a uh, great, great place to have a presence. Yeah, that is a, that, that is a decent high school team. It's a decent high school. Yeah. Mercy. Yeah. So, so the guy that played Georgia, for Georgia Tech, the, was he playing quarterback for them? Uh, he was. Charlie. So Charlie went to Thomas County. He was playing for Thomas right, County okay. Central. Got it. Okay. I was, I was confused for a second. Yeah. That makes sense. Um, all right. Next kid is another kid I saw at the Orlando Under Armour camp last year and liked him a whole lot. Uh, I think he's, I think he's going to be a dude. I, I think he's going to blow up more than he already has. I'm surprised that he hasn't blown up more. Um, and that's Roger Kearney. I'm going to tell you, if they manage to get Roger Kearney, I think FSU fans are going to be like so happy. I'm not saying I'm guaranteeing he's going to be an NFL guy. You know, I don't know that. But I'd be pretty damn surprised if this guy's not a very good college player. You know, he's not the biggest dude right now. He does have good length, I think, relative to his height. He's listed like 6'4". We're talking about an offensive lineman here. I probably should have noted that. He's out of Jacksonville. But I saw him last year coming off of his sophomore year. I, I just, I love the balance and the body control, how he always kind of stayed centered over his feet. And one on ones, he really didn't lose anything because he's you know he's always just he's staying centered. He's he's not getting redirected and, and not getting out over his feet too far in the pass protection game. Obviously, moves really well in the open field. He's got some heavy hands. He can strike. You know, he's just not like the biggest dude in the world. I think he's one of those guys where he actually could play tackle for you, even though he's only listed at six four, just because of, of the athleticism that he has. Uh, He's also one of those guys that if he keeps growing, I think this is probably like a national prospect, you know, where you're you're going to have to be fighting like Bama, Georgia, Ohio State, the new USC, and and Texas, you know, that mm-hmm. that that type of thing. So uh, I do know that Alex Atkins has a good relationship with him already. They were actually on him, I believe, before that Under Armour camp last year, which is an encouraging sign. Um, but yeah, man, that's. Uh, when did they offer him? Look here. Because he visited October 23rd, which was, and I know he visited last summer, and they offered in April of 20, or excuse me, uh, April April 20th of 2021 is when the offer got listed. So I'm trying to think here. Yeah, April 17th, April 18th. So they actually offered two days yeah, after. Two days camp. after. Interesting. Yeah. Which means they probably got the video of the camp because they subscribed to all the services and they say, okay, look, look, watch this kid. Um, he was very good there. And if you look at his page, that's pretty consistently when all the offers started to come in. I'm fairly sure they were already talking to him, though, because I remember him saying like Florida State was a school that he was interested in. I know Florida and some other ones as well. But he's a guy who I think can make an early impact for you, given where you are on the offensive line rebuild. It's somebody like I know everybody at FSU desperately wants to root for offensive linemen. Very intelligent kid to talk to. Just enjoy talking to him. and. uh and he's certainly somebody to be watching. Anybody else as far as uh, kids we want to point out? Macari Vickers. I guess we, we obviously that is Jonathan Vickers' relative, so somebody to be watching there. I think with him, the thing I want to watch is what what is he going to run, right? Like when he goes to all these camps over the summer, is he a 4-4 four, four guy? Or is he more of like that four five four five five guy? To me, that'll probably be what determines is he end up being like a you know, a top fifty player nationally, or more of like a top you know one fifty top two hundred type guy. Which again, we went over this last summer. That's probably where you're going to have to make your living for the most part. You know, we talked about this for every Travis Hunter and for every Sam McCall. You need to do a nice job living in that sort of two hundred to four fifty range, which. I mean, best laid plans, obviously. They, they, they certainly could have done better than they did. But uh, that'll be interesting to watch because I think there's a couple of these kids you're on early to where just, I don't think you're going to get if they really, really blow up, blow up. But if they stay in that more good, need a couple years to be great developmental stage, that's possible that, that you end up landing them. You know, we'll just have to see. I mean, I don't have a ton of. I'm not going to get into that right now. Sorry, I, I, that's that's too long for 
an hour or for, for uh, minute number 65 on this, you know, 65 minutes into uh, a podcast in the third week of January is impressive. A couple things we'll point out real quickly, kind of this and that before we exit. Um, two real big wins for the basketball team over Miami and Syracuse road win against Syracuse really uh, firmly plants yourself back in a trajectory to get to an NCAA tournament where it looked like it might've been wavering previously 10 and five overall four and two in the conference. Obviously we'll continue to keep an eye on the basketball team and uh, nice, nice little recent turn of events for them. Also, bud rare that we uh, point out too much uh, track and field stuff, but when you have a kid run a six, five, three in the 60, that's right. A six, five, three, what? Uh, not only the fastest team at the uh, fastest individual performance at uh, what I believe was a meetup at Clemson, but that is actually the fastest time in the world so far in that distance. So credit to Debo Swint. I feel like with a name like Debo Swint, you can normally pick him up and put him down. And certainly that kid can. So uh, keep an eye on him. You get Is that another, indoor or outdoor? That's an indoor. Uh, so so another, that's not wind dated? Uh, look, I'm not going to tell I you. Yes, I don't want to speak out my out my <laughs> rear. But uh, that is that is the fastest time in the world in the 60, and you know, yet another super talented uh, athlete over there on the track team. Holy cow! Dude, that yeah. is flying. That is picking them up and putting them down. Uh, credit to you, young Mister Debo. We'll uh, we'll continue to keep an eye on you. Undoubtedly. Great right, question for you here. If it's the fastest time in the world this year. It's not a, is it this calendar year? Uh, yeah, that's there's a good only question. been 14 <laughs> days in the year. We're not so far into it. Like, I don't uh, be the lawyer of this. I think it's, it's in like, the, that is legitimately extremely fast. Yeah, that's, that's a good perspective, but absolutely. I'll, uh, again, I'm not going to tell you that I've, you know, uh, done a ton of research into this other than just gone off what I saw on social media there, but, um, I'll look into it, give a little bit more perspective on that time. But, uh, Fast in any way you slice it. Like he Uh, goes by Debo, but his first name, I've never met this kid. Yeah. Unless unless he was at a camp, I don't remember. And I think I would remember because if you're running that, you're probably ripping off like a 4.3. Probably legit Um, running an electronic 4.28 or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. So the spelling, is it DeAndre? Because the spelling is D-O-N apostrophe D-R-E-A. I just took it from FSU's Twitter account. Or no, I know, I know email. what I'm saying. Like, like I, I don't know how yeah. to pronounce the name. So somebody uh, hit us up with the phonetic spelling there, like of of the real name. Um, he went to, he went to Coffeeville Community College. Dude, that is fast as hell. Yeah, uh, I think our graphics guy actually does a little bit of work with the track team. So I'll send him a message, uh, see if he has any more, any more knowledge of the situation. Is there a video of this? Uh, by the way, uh, today is also the anniversary of um, a very embarrassing moment in FSU history. Yes. That, uh, yes. They, today they executed, I think, much better on the Martin Luther King Jr. graphics, you know? Uh, uh, like much, much better, you know, than throwing the receiver glove on there and having him do the chop, which also having looked him like do the chop. A, yeah, another symbol. Just- Damn, that, was, uh, <laughs> that was a that was a certain type of low point. I was uh listening to like a comedy podcast a couple months ago and they like randomly referenced that. I was like, good lord. Yeah, that's that was as ridiculous as I thought I remembered it. But yeah. That I think he got fired, didn't he? I think that led to uh, sure. a general clear out of uh of a department. Yeah. Yeah. Um wow. So his teammate Taylor ran a six six seven six five three. If this, by the way, if this hoops team makes the tournament, that's a hell of a job of like a turnaround. I'm not sure they will, but like, it certainly did put not themselves look like a place. tournament team no, for quite no, they, a while. They did not. They did not. <laughs> they did not. We could have a whole other conversation about what nil would mean for basketball. I'm I'm actually a little bit more optimistic than some is some are uh, when it comes to that subject matter, but. We can, uh, we got a whole lot of time for that. And otherwise, we spend about 70 minutes tonight. We'll bring it to an end. Uh, always enjoy uh, any opportunity to do this, but great to be able to get back up with you, buddy, put one of these out, and uh, we'll have uh, something here, you know, maybe a week or so from, uh, from today again. So I always thank our sponsors, our great Patreon supporters. If you're interested in that, 
patreon.com backslash Nolcast. Uh, shout out to our friends at Madso, uh, as always. And uh, with that, we will uh, we'll wrap this episode up. All right, buddy. Uh, we'll catch you on the flip. This has been the Nolcast. The Nolcast is created and hosted by Bud Elliott and Ingram Smith, music by Judson Wright, and produced by Justin Robinson. Go Knowles.